and welcome to Race to Your Career. In this episode, we're going to be exploring training providers. And to do so, I'll be joined by some apprentices to share their stories. So hello and welcome, Georgina, Nancy and Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me. If we can begin by hearing a little bit about the role you're currently doing. Sarah, we'll start with you. So at the moment, I am a stud hand um, at Judmont. So basically at the moment, it's foaling season. So it's all about them foals coming through. So doing a lot of foaling down and just kind of making sure the mares are well prepared for when it's time for them to give birth, really. As a complete novice, what is foaling down? literally horses giving birth okay yeah (laughs) there we go and Nancy tell me about your role and what you do on a day-to-day basis so I'm a racing groom I um ride the horses and I muck out in the mornings and I find it quite fun fantastic finding it fun is really important and Georgina what about your role Uh, I currently work for Harry Eustace as a racing groom I exercise the horses in the morning and take care of them in the evening now, you have all do slightly different roles. I mean, Nancy and Georgina, you're quite similar in what you do, but you've all had different backgrounds into that role. So, Georgina, tell us a little bit about the training that you completed. So, around two years ago now, I, I went to the British Racing School um, for a nine-week course. And in that course, I learned how to ride a racehorse, look after a racehorse, and it brought me to here. And what made you choose the British Racing School? Uh, purely because I have family in in Newmarket and it was closer to the town. (laughs) Okay, so it was a location that was important to you? Yeah. You didn't want to move away? No. Okay, and have you always loved horses, always been around horses? Uh, From the age of three, I've been riding horses and I don't want to stop. Fantastic. So Nancy, tell us about your training. What did you decide to do? So, at first I wasn't um, doing much riding and then I... Uh, got into it because my granddad um, liked the idea of me uh, riding horses. So then I found out about the Doncaster uh, National Horse Racing College. So I thought I may, I might give it a go because I thought, oh, this is definitely something I want to do. Um, and then that's when I um, decided I'd go there. And Doncaster, was that near where you're from? Did you have to move away? I'm nowhere near that. I'm uh, from Essex. Um, so I, it's quite a while to travel, but I really liked the look of the yard and, and my friend had gone there before, so I thought I definitely want to have a go. So did you get to go and look around before you decided to do it? Yeah, you have an introduction day or like when you go into interviews. So I went into the interview and I looked around the yard and I saw all these horses and I was like, this is definitely a place that I want to go. And you said that your granddad wanted you to work within the industry was he a lover of horses? Did he do horse riding? Uh, so my granddad's not a horse rider. He he owned horses, uh, or partly owned horses. But um, he he likes watching the races, and I used to watch it with him when I was younger, and took me to my first ever race. So that's where I grew to love horses. It's lovely. And Sarah, tell us about your training route. So I've just finished the entry to stud employment level two diploma course at the National Stud. Um, I finished that in December and now I'm currently working at Judmont um, on my work placement. And that's one of the early career programmes, isn't it? Yes, yeah. What made you choose that particular one? Um, To be honest with you, it was kind of by accident. So previously I was, well, I still do a bit of work with the Urban Equestrian. Um, We've got a base in South London where I'm from. 
um, which basically just entails teaching children from inner city communities how to horse ride. And from that, I was invited up to the National Stud for a residential weekend, kind of taster program. Absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and yeah, kind of got um, offered the placement for the next course and took it. And here I am now. Fantastic. Well, you've all got different stories to tell then. And we'll dive into the more residential side of it, which is part of these apprenticeships. So, Sarah, can you just explain for those listening, what is the residential part of the apprenticeship? So we literally live on site for the nine weeks. Um, We're quite lucky we have a hostel that's just for students here. So we literally do our day's work at the yard and then we all come back in together um, and have our own little rooms. We have a shared kitchen a shared living room so it's quite a nice kind of like a uni vibe because everyone's got their own little room but you know you've got the communal areas as well Um, makes it really easy to be honest to kind of roll out of bed and get straight onto the yard so no commute loving that Um, and that's kind of carried on through to my current employment I live on site now so yeah no more commuting for me. So rolling out of bed going straight to the yard is a positive But I imagine some people are worried about doing the residential part. Do you have to do it, Sarah? Um, So for my course in particular, yes. Um, However, they have now introduced a part-time option where you don't have to live on site, which I think is quite quite useful because for me, that was a big challenge. Um, I rent a flat in London. I've got family, stepchildren, um, a dog that I couldn't bring with me, unfortunately. So that was a barrier for me. Um, originally they did ask me to do the level three, which would be six months. I just felt like it was too much at the time. Um, so yeah, that was initially, it was a barrier, but there's so much support and kind of, you know, people want you in the industry and all you've got to do is kind of talk about your worries and yeah, the sports there. You get a weekend off every two weeks as well. So you can go home if you want to. If you wanted to progress to the level three, could you do that? Yeah. So um, one of the things I'm considering would be to finish my six months employment and then start the level three in September. So yeah, I mean, it's there. You can just kind of progress when you're ready. Brilliant. Now, Nancy, tell me about the dorms. How many beds are in a room? So depending on whether you're um, in like, you want to be by yourself, then you have to apply for that at the beginning. So you have to say that whether you want to be by yourself um, there's also like rooms, there's like shared rooms, there's two people, but now apparently they're like adding bunk beds into some of them, so. And did you enjoy your experience as in residential? Uh, yeah, um, sometimes whether people played loud music, it just really annoyed me, but um, it's actually, it's pretty good. The, the rooms were nice and I had one by myself because I didn't want to share with someone. That's a good tip to get that request in early, isn't it? Yeah. Was that the same for you guys, Georgina and Sarah, as well? No, not for me. We no? Didn't, we didn't have a choice, really. <laughs> to okay, be tell us more. So it, we just had a separate... Well, the room was in an L shape, so there was some sort of privacy, but we were obviously shared with someone else. Just one other person? Yeah, just one other person. And what were the communal areas like where you were? Um, Quite basic. We had maybe like a kitchen area where we could make tea... Um, we had sofas and a TV and a pool table. When you are looking at universities, for example, you get to go around and look at the accommodation before you make your decision. Were you able to do that, Georgina? I did go to the open day quite a while back before I entered into the course, but um, 
I think he did. <laughs> okay. So, Nancy, at the National Horse Racing College, what was the food like? Well, I personally didn't like it. Uh, some of the cook, some of the chicken there was uh, not very nice. But um, I liked that when they did lunches, they had like salad bar and uh, jacket potatoes out, and sometimes they did soup and some other stuff. So some of the food was nice. So there was a variety of options. Yeah, although sometimes at dinner time I didn't like what they did. Could you cook yourself food if you didn't like what was being served? No. So basically we weren't allowed to um, have pot noodles or, um, or anything you could bring. You had to have a, the cooked meal there. You'd allowed to bring your own snack boxes, but that was it. So did you live off the snack boxes? Yeah, most of them, yeah. <laughs> Sarah, what about the food where you were? Was it a bit better? I feel like I was really spoiled at the National Stud, actually. Um, so we've got an in-house chef, Sam, if you're listening amazing um shout out sam yeah every time so we would get our lunches prepared for us so we'd come in off the yards and have a hot meal um she'd kind of like put a schedule up so you knew what was going to be there every day and if you didn't like something you could write a note and she would either make a jacket potato or something else um i was really lucky as well because i have to eat halal meat because of my religion and sam just catered to that you know as much as she could and it was actually the first time that they had to explore those options so yeah it was quite nice to kind of liaise with her and work out little meal plans um and if not vegetarian option was always good so yeah i was well looked after we have a freezer as well that gets stocked up so yeah there's no going hungry Brilliant. Right, the National Stud sounds like it's winning points with the food at the moment. Uh, Tell us more about the social elements, Sarah, because you mentioned the communal areas at the National Stud. Were there like events that you could go and socialise? Not planned events, but like, say, for example, we had Halloween. So we had like a little barbecue because we have like our own garden. Um, We had a Christmas party as well. And just generally people would just chill out in the common room, big TV, bit of Netflix my Netflix account, I'll just add. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we did spend, you spend so much time together on the yard that you kind of, you know, you're so used to being around these people and what would happen is we'd get put on different yards around the farm. So you'd all come back in and be like, oh, how was your day? And have loads of stories to share. Yeah, we, we was all very social actually. So not only getting on in terms of having a laugh and watching telly, but also sharing stories and advice, I imagine. Yeah, um, so for example, we had um, one barn was for the yearlings. So say there'd be a group of three or four people working with those horses. So um, I might be somewhere else, for example, maybe with the weanlings, so the six month old foals. Um, And I'd come in and be like, oh, so-and-so done this today or this happened. And it kind of was nice because you still knew what was going on around the farm without being there all the time. So yeah, it was good. That is nice. Georgina, tell us about kind of the possibility of going home to visit family. Sarah mentioned earlier on the National Stud, you get weekends where you can go. What about where you were? So um, for the nine week course, you don't actually have a week to go home and like be with your family. I also went during COVID, so I wasn't actually allowed out of the the school. I was homebound. And um, there's also... um, Without COVID, you could actually go out in the afternoons on a Friday, a Saturday, Sunday, if you weren't working the Sunday or the Monday, working, riding a horse out. 
So your family were based around the area? I only had I only had my nan in, in Newmarket. My other family's in France. So I did actually move away from my family. Wow, okay, so you moved different countries <laughs> yeah. to come and do this. I did, yeah. That's a big decision that we sweeped over. Yeah, I know, I forgot to mention. <laughs> so tell me more about that. Why did you leave France and come to, to Britain to do that? So I lived in the Alps where there was loads of mountains, not a flat flat area, basically. And I only did dressage and show jumping. So I just, I wasn't getting anywhere with that. I was only in a, in a riding school. I did a few competitions, but they didn't bring me to places, so I decided to come racing. So even though your nan was here, did you find that you got homesick quite a lot? I did, yeah, because I didn't get to see my nan as much. Obviously, I lived with my parents, and I didn't get to see my nan all the time, so I felt more homesick for my parents than my nan, because even though I did have family, it's strange. But, yeah, I did feel homesick. And was there any support from maybe a mentor or fellow students, doormates? Yeah, students. I mean, I had students come from all, all over the country, uh, to come to the British Race School, and um, yeah, so we were we were, we did talk about it, and I, I also had my mum on the phone most of every night. During your time at the British Horse Racing School, was that the biggest challenge being away from your family, or was there something else that you overcame? Uh, yeah, being away from my family is one of them, but I, I would say also falling off. Okay, because. I mean, I did fall off quite quite a lot. <laughs> is that common or were you clumsy? Uh, no, it was quite common. I wasn't the only one, thank God. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, um, it was just telling yourself to have to get back, back on because I did hurt myself quite badly a few times. Can you tell us about one of those injuries? The horse, I don't know how it happened, but the horse put its head down and bucked and that sent me flying over its head. And I think it, it must have trampled my shin because I, I had like a cut on my shin and that really hurt <laughs> So when overcoming that, is it more, ow, it hurts me, I've got to have a bit of rest, or is it more the mental side of it, of getting the confidence to get back on? Mental side, yeah, it did, it did took quite a long time. But I imagine your fellow students, if they were also falling off, but would help that's you. That's it, yeah, exactly. Nancy, what was your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge was getting over my confidence, because I struggled with riding a lot. I was scared of the horses sometimes because I'd see what they'd do to my friends and chuck them off. And But after a while, I convinced myself that I can do it. After a few phone calls home, and I cried home once and I went, I can't do it. I, I just can't do it. And I called up and I was like, do you know what? I can do this. And I just, I got into that mental state of I can do it. Where do you think that change of mood and change of I can't to I can came from I've got a funny story so basically I fell off on one of the horses and um I don't know what happened something not knocked in my head and I thought do you know what I'm gonna get back on and I'm gonna try this because I don't want that to be my last ride like that so I got back on and my instructor who was riding the horse in front of me fell off and I watched her fall off and get back on relentless times, no matter how many times she got thrown around. So I was like, do you know what? If she can do it, I can do it. So it is important to have role models, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sarah, tell us about your biggest challenge. Oh, I'd have to say my biggest challenge was probably the fitness side of things. Um, I haven't really worked on a yard in a while, kind of before doing the course. And I'll tell you, the size of the boxes here on a stud farm, different ball game to a ride in school or a livery yard. And it's kind of like the pressure to 
muck out so quickly and kind of keep up with the staff who obviously have been doing this every day for quite a long time and you really see the difference in your fitness over the course of the nine weeks you kind of start off all right and then you dip a little bit and then you really feel that you're kind of losing a little bit of weight getting fitter and just I don't know it's kind of like going to the gym for free it's, it's quite cool actually but I would say that's definitely something I wasn't uh, completely aware of going into it I mean I was warned it's hard work but I didn't I didn't realize how hard so when you're doing your residential stay is there any gyms or extracurricular stuff like fitness classes that can help with that um, so we're quite lucky. Once you're in the industry, you are entitled to certain perks. Um, for example, there's a gym, uh, I think Racing Welfare fund it and you can use that for free. And they've got racing simulators in there as well. Um, so that's always open, not that I ever ventured because to be honest, you, you do your day's work and you're so tired, you don't really have the energy to go and do that. And you've got written work to do as well. So even fitting that in was a challenge. Um, you know, literally finding the time to sit down and study. And I'm I'm the kind of person where if I'm gonna learn something, I really wanna know it. So it's not even just filling out the worksheets, it's like getting it in your brain. So I think, yeah, just kind of juggling that was a challenge as well, to be fair. If we look at the bigger picture then, is this an industry where it's difficult to have work-life balance or how can you maintain any type of work-life balance? Mm, I think it's one of those industries where it does kind of become your life. It is more of a lifestyle than a job. I mean, if if a mayor goes into labor at two o'clock in the morning and you're on call that night, you're you're up, you're out of bed and, and you're going, you know, there's no kind of, you know, nine to five. It's it's a lifestyle completely. Um, and I think if you love horses, that kind of ticks the boxes. For me, coming from London, it's really difficult to find the time and, and the space to be with horses. So to come here, it's like Hogwarts for horses, Newmarket. So it's like, you know, a big part of your socialising is horses. Um, if you go into town and you meet people, you're going to be talking about horses. So you've got to love it, you know. And if you do, then it doesn't really feel like work. I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but honestly, for me, horses is something I've always wanted to do and to find a, a way of doing it and letting it be my lifestyle is perfect. Did you consider any other locations other than Newmarket or as you said the Hogwarts for horses? Um, I mean to be honest I, I didn't really consider doing this type of work to begin with it was only when I came for the taster weekend at the National Stud in Newmarket that I you know knew first of all that this was a career option um, and I just I really felt a vibe here and I really enjoyed the fact that you know you go up the high street and you're going to see somebody in their Godolphin coat or you're going to see somebody in their Cheveley coat it's a nice it's kind of like um it's a massive university type vibe I don't know it's it's just everyone's very proud of where they work and where they come from so it's yeah I mean I don't think there's any better place really to at least start your career in this industry than Newmarket. Nancy did you feel like your residential stay was a bit like university? Um, well, our accommodation was like, so you have your own rooms and or sometimes you, you don't have your own room and you share, but like, so I didn't like it that much because there was a curfew time you had to be in and there's like, uh, you can't go out on the evenings, um, so I didn't like that and I didn't like the fact that you had time where they knocked on your door and said lights out or you had to go sleep and stuff like that. Is that to help you become disciplined for a job that essentially is your life? Uh, yeah, I think so. 
So it is good conditioning, even though you didn't like it. Yeah. So you can understand why they maybe done that. Yeah. Because I think if if they could, they would have let you stayed up. If they would have let you stay up, probably would have stayed up to one o'clock and then had to go down at the yard. But I think it was like seven at the earliest. I can't remember what time it was, but. Were there any extracurricular stuff that you could get involved in? Were there options? So I think most of the time you were too... So we did like classes. Um, so say if you finished evening stables, I think you finished around five, you'd have dinner and then you'd have lessons afterwards. Um, I think you'd have probably normal maths, English and just normal set groups. Um, but there was no extra group things because I think everyone was just so tired at the end of the day they just go sleep. Georgina, hearing those experiences, what was yours more like, Nancy's or Sarah's? I'd say my experience was more like Nancy's. We had a curfew. We were, I can't remember what time we were meant to be in bed, but it was more lights out by half nine. And But I, I understood. I mean, I didn't mind going to bed early. Did some of the students kind of, not kick off, but were they disgruntled by that? Uh, you could tell the ones that would stay up way further than half nine. But as you knew, that would only make them suffer in the morning. No, exactly, so I didn't do it. But <laughs> So Georgina, at the British Racing School, how often is the intake? So the intakes are all through the year. Students come in, start their new courses when other courses have already started. Oh, fantastic, so you can just do it whenever you like. Sort of thing, yeah. So Nancy, at the National Horse Racing College, what's the intake there? So the intake goes as you have intermediates sorry juniors intermediates and seniors um you start as a junior and then you'd go through intermediates and then seniors do you have to do all of them or can you stop after junior so depending on whether you like it or not you can either leave or stay um but i think they so without the junior few weeks that that's when you decide whether you want to stay or leave um or they tell you whether you need to go or whether you can stay. And then you can progress into seniors. And you decided to stay? Yeah. And how much did you love it? I, at first, I was debating whether to leave. Okay. Because I was a bit anxious and I was thinking, oh, I'm not as good as the others. But then I just, I didn't want to leave because I was thinking, oh, I don't want to upset my parents or I don't want to let anyone down. So I thought, you know what, for good of myself and my family, I'll stay. And how proud are you? Of yourself for staying? Oh, I'm really proud now because I've got a great job and I love the horses I work with and I'm very happy that I got pushed through through what I've done. Sarah, tell us about the intake at the National Stud. Um, so for the level two, I believe it's once a year, but I know that they have started doing another roll-in. So I think um, at the moment, for example, they've got level twos and level threes. The level twos, I think they're part-time, so they've got the option to go home, for example, kind of during the week. Um, but with the level threes, I know they've got, I think they start in September and they start again in, in January. So two intakes for the level three. And the residential element, like back to that part and the dorms, how old are people? Is it a mixture of ages at the National Stud or is it mostly young people? So on my particular course, the youngest person we had, she just turned 18 and the oldest, I think, was early 30s. Um, but I know previous courses have had older students, kind of 40s, 50s as well. So, yeah, I mean, it is quite a diverse age range, really. Nancy, what were the ages like for you? So, I don't think we had an age limit, but I think the youngest we had, I think, was a 16. Uh, or maybe maybe 17, I'm not too sure. And the oldest was about 50. 
Great, so you had some mature students there too. Yes. Sarah, we spoke about age, um, the kind of age range from 16, 25 to 50 and all of that. What about other areas of diversity? I'd say that it's probably not as diverse as it could be. Um, Yeah, I think there's still quite a lot of work to be done, really, but it's about letting people know that these opportunities exist. If I knew that this was here 10 years ago, I would have been, you know, I would have been doing it. So I think it's letting people know maybe people that come from more city backgrounds that, you know, you can come Newmarket. It's not a little place under a rock. Like it's, it's a nice place to be, you know, Um, and just kind of letting people know that you can come into this industry quite easily and you are going to be welcomed. I mean, I've had bad experiences in different equine um, areas. So I would say racing is probably the most secure. Um, And yeah, like they want people in the industry. They want people to be represented. They want people to be comfortable. So Yeah, we're getting there. So Nancy, you've mentioned the food wasn't your cup of tea. You also spoke about the curfew and not liking that and the loud music some people played. But did you make a lot of friends? Yeah, I made quite a few friends. I think the people I was with became family and I like spending my time with them watching horror films because I like watching them get scared sometimes. It's really funny. And what was the best part for you of the residential segment? Well, it was definitely having someone there for you when you needed it. Like, my friends were my outlet sometimes. And Sarah, what was your best part? I think for me, the best part was um, preparing horses for the sales. So um, a few times a year, Tattersalls, you take horses up there, take them around the auction ring, and they get bought. Um, But a lot of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, actually getting the horses in condition... Um, I worked a lot with the weanlings, so six-month-old foals, and some of them had never had a bit in their mouth, never been hand-walked, never had a rug on. You know, certain things that you're getting these horses ready for and you're exposing them to new things, and you're kind of like holding their hand, you know, through it and really teaching them how to behave themselves. And I was actually able to take one round the sales ring. That was a highlight for me. And I've ended up working at the stud that his dad comes from, so met his grandma as well so <laughs> meet the family so that was really nice actually I think in that in you know in the industry it is nice you do get to kind of recognize horses and you see them progress so yeah. Is there an element of it being really difficult if they do get sold because of the emotional tie you've built with that horse? Yeah I mean I think I was a little bit naive coming into the industry you know for me horses you kind of work with them you ride them you spend all your time with them um in this industry it can be slightly different but it's something you just it's a job you know you need to know what you're doing and actually having that satisfaction of seeing them at their best going around the ring having all these eyes on them and they surprise you you know you kind of think oh god it's gonna be awful but they just take it in their stride and you you have that sense of pride you know showing them off and seeing them go for a decent bit of money as well it's quite nice rewarding definitely What's the most challenging thing about the residential segment? Um, I think for me, it was, I've never lived away from home. I went to university, but I stayed at home and I'd commuted. Um, and as I mentioned before, I've got a flat in London. So kind of leaving that and then being by myself was difficult. But then I was surrounded by people all the time as well. So maybe just the contrast, you know, going from being in your own space to then being in this shared environment, really. Nancy, what was your least favourite part of the residential part of the apprenticeship? 
I think it was the fact that you weren't allowed to take your own food and you weren't allowed to um, you have pot noodles either. But I think that was all because of like health-wise, they don't want you to be not healthy. So it was all in your benefit, really? Yeah. <laughs> Georgina, what about you? Um, I would actually say mucking out <laughs> because there were different types of bedding and you you would get used to one and then you'd try and you'd get switched to another one and it would kind of slow me down in a way. And what advice would you give to someone who's going to start one of these programmes and is maybe a little bit anxious about the residential part? Um, I would say be determined because it's a very physically and mentally demanding course but it is very rewarding. Nancy what would your advice be? Don't let your mind get you into um like a mindset of I can't do this because it just it won't get you anywhere have someone that you know will be there for you supporting you whether they're there in person or on the phone it helps quite a lot thank you and finally Sarah um I think just enjoy it the time goes so fast you know and you do you'll hit a point where it feels like it's never going to end and you're like am I doing the right thing but you know just push through and just see the light at the end of the tunnel and yeah just enjoy the process really Well, Sarah, Nancy and Georgina, thank you all so much for sharing your different stories. It's been wonderful. Thank Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening or watching the Race to Your Career podcast brought to you by the British Horse Racing Authority. Make sure you head down to the description where there's plenty more information and helpful links. And don't forget to listen or watch the rest of season one.